All right. Uh, welcome to the first ever episode of Gen and Truth. Let's go. Uh, first and foremost, a big shout to my Twitter family. Uh, I love the shit out of y'all, honestly and truly. Uh, you guys have done a lot for me. You've let me vent. You've laughed with me. You've cried with me. You've offered me support during times of need. Uh, thanks a lot. Now, I love each and every single last one of you. And y'all have done, y'all have suggested more than once that I do a podcast. So here we go. Uh, for those of you that have already followed me, uh, y'all know what I'm about. And as my aunt always used to say, I'm just going to tell it the way it T.I. is. Uh, this channel, which I have aptly named Jen and Truth, as there's a, a tumbler of Hendrix sitting right here next to me, uh, I just kick my shit. Right. Uh, whatever's on my mind, be it social, political, racial. Every once in a while, I may throw in a sports analogy or 25. Just whatever comes to my mind. That, that's that's what I uh, hit upon. So I, I hope my Twitter family follows. And maybe I can grab a couple people from the interweb here. And if you don't know me, which most of you probably don't, my name is Robert Reed. Uh I'm an old, broken-down former football player. I'm a women's self-defense teacher and a professional shit-talker. Uh, Twitter, I got on that uh, thing, and now I'm somewhat of a Twitterholic. I got on that years ago, years ago. I can't even tell you when. I should probably log in and find out. But I was doing sports talk radio. And they told me, you got to have a social media presence. You are, you're so opinionated. People are going to want to talk shit. They're going to want to challenge you. And so my co-host at the time signed me up for Twitter. And y'all know how Twitter works. You sign up. You ignore it. You come back to it. Next thing you know, you're totally fucking addicted. And that was kind of uh, my thing. I started recording videos, I do believe, last year. Summer of 2020, during uh, the racial blowup, you know, here in the United States, George Floyd, Jacob Blake, it, it was a horrible, horrible time. Pardon me, <clears throat> as I cough. Let, let's get some of this gin <laughs> going down. That will help. See now, that's what the show is called. But it was a bad time for me, and so I was shooting these little 30 second, 60 second clips from my iPhone. Of which the audio was fucking terrible, right? If y'all remember, because you could, uh, uh, every, were, the audio was fucking terrible. You, you got about, what, every third word, but you guys hung in there with me, and then I got an iPad, then the audio became crystal clear, and some way, somehow, some of y'all may like what I have to say, and so now here I am uh, doing a podcast, and so... I truly, again, thanks for all for the support and thanks for the suggestions. Uh, there was one yesterday and that's the one that just kind of pushed a needle off the record and said, I got to get off my lazy ass and do a fucking podcast. So again, we're, we're about four minutes in and I've said about as many thank yous as I'm going to say today. No, I'm not. I'm probably going to say a lot more and more in the future, but thanks to everybody. Why don't we jump right in to kind of the topic de jour? And for me, it's race. I, I'm 49 years old, I think. Wait, am I 48? 
Now, fuck if I know. I'm in my late 40s, and I, I said in one of my two-minute Twitter videos that a lot of the shit that people are talking about, that's that was my reality. This, this is nothing new for me. I, I don't have much to learn on this topic. I, I remember as I'm sitting here in my study, and I'm looking up, and I keep it here simply out of spite. And it's a book... The help. Everyone's like, oh, you got to watch the help. You got to read the help. I don't want to watch the fucking help. Well, you got to read the book. Well, I don't read the fucking book. And <clears throat> pardon me, this calls for some more gin. And I kept telling people, stop it. And then finally, people started bringing me the fucking book. And one person in front of her face, I took that fucking book and I threw it in the trash. It's kind of like the Brussels sprout argument. I always use this analogy. For some reason, no one listens to me when I tell them I hate fucking Brussels sprouts. I get the same response every fucking time. And that is, well, you haven't tried my Brussels sprouts. My response to that is, are they made out of Brussels sprouts? Well, yeah, they are. Then I fucking hate your Brussels sprouts. Stop it. And every single time I, I go over to someone's house and they make me Brussels sprouts, and then I don't touch them, and then they get offended. It's like, which part of I don't like Brussels sprouts do you not understand? Same thing here, right? You got to watch the help. I don't want to watch the help. You got to watch the help. You don't want to watch the help. I'm going to bring you the book. Don't bring me the book. One person brought me the book. I threw it in the fucking trash right in front of her. She got pissed off. It's like, which part of I don't want to read this fucking book do you not understand? The reason why I don't watch Django Unchained, that don't read the hell, any of that shit, gang, that was literally my childhood. What's a history lesson for some? What's a movie for others? Is real life for me. This this racial shit isn't some. It's not a punchline. This isn't a movie script. Right? I, I've said it before in my two-minute videos. I'll tell y'all this right now again. First time someone ever called me a nigger, I was in kindergarten. I was literally so young, I didn't know what the word meant. I remember going home because the teacher said it. Let me move my mic. Hope this y'all can still hear me. The teacher said it, Miss Didi, fuck you. And so when she said it, all the other students started saying it. None of us knew what it meant. And so people were calling me this all day long. Well, when you're a child, you know the mentality. If one is good, then a hundred must be great. And I remember going home, I was like, you'll never guess what I am. And then I still remember, and here I am in my late 40s. God, I sound hoarse. I'm in my late 40s, and I still remember what it felt like. When my family told me what it meant, I, I remember literally feeling <clears throat> this horrible feeling as my heart dropped into my nutsack as I realized a grown-up hates a six-year-old. Gang, there is nothing a baby can do that's so egregious that an adult has to tell them that they hate them. That was my beginning. And so when we talk about race, 
You guys got to understand, some of us have a relationship to it that goes beyond books, that goes beyond stories and movies, TV shows, rap songs. Some of us grew up feeling it. And I can feel the next eight hours worth of story. One more before I get into the meat of this topic. I'm old enough to where the people in my professional life, I've watched their kids grow up. Now, I got into UT in 1995. I was the first ever Texas Longhorn to be named to the first ever College Football Association All-American team. It was a great day for me. I'll never forget when the sports information director called me in and said, you'll never guess what. Me and Tony Brackens, I was the first, he was the second. We will go down in history like that. Now, the same school where I started for three years, my best season, I got over 100 tackles. I signed an NFL contract. I didn't play long, but I, I, I did things that no one else, that very few people did coming out playing high school football. And I did it at the University of Texas at Austin. In 1964, my dad is borderline genius. By today's standards, my dad would be considered a four-star, can't-miss recruit. Do you know what they told my dad? No niggers allowed. That's what they told my dad. That's not an exaggeration, right? And so I remember watching these kids grow up that I was talking about, and UT has become one of the most competitive schools out there. <clears throat> Pardon the cough. And some of these kids, some of them being, all of them being white. And I'm hearing parents talk about reverse racism. This is discrimination. And I'm like, no, it's not. This is called equality. Maybe UT finally woke up and said, you know what? Maybe our admitted policy of white, 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 black. White, 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 white. Maybe they finally woke up and realized, oh, this is some bullshit. Maybe we should change some shit around. Equality is that thing that everyone loves to talk about, but very few people want to participate in. Maybe your kid just wasn't fucking good enough. My dad was good enough, but he was a nigger. So they told him you can't come in. So you have to understand the difference between equality and racism. Sometimes when you enter a race, you get first. Sometimes when you're in a race, you get dead fucking last. Your kid got dead last. Racism is simply because of how you look. We're not going to take you. We don't care how good you are. So there's a difference. But kind of more along the lines of what's happening today with race. Gang, we're not going to get anywhere until those that have the most amount of cards in their hands admit that they've got a leg up. I've said it once. I'll say it a thousand times. There's a difference between working hard 
and clocking long hours. When you graduate college and your your family business is just waiting for you, you're guaranteed a six-figure job, I'm quite sure you go and you clock some crazy fucking hours. Congratulations, but you didn't work hard. Because you got to understand, when your father, your grandfather, or your great-grandfather went in to go get the business loan to start the company, who was he competing against? You guys understand that women could not hold credit until 1972. Pardon me, another cough. That was the year I was born. This isn't 500 years ago. So when your grandfather walked in, there were no women in the bank unless they were secretaries. How many black people, Mexicans, how many Native Americans competed against your great-grandfather? Let me tell you that answer. None. How about some more Hendrix? Cheers. It is called gin and truth. So, yeah, you're working, you're, you're clocking long hours. You're making sure that your family business doesn't tank. But you didn't work hard. And there's the difference. There is the difference. When you've seen what I've seen, when you I've literally never gone a year of my life without being called a nigger. I know what it's like to have people shovel shit on your shoulders. And I'm not alone. Black people aren't alone. There are other parts of the minority community, uh, community that get hit hard. If you think I'm bullshitting, ask to my brothers and sisters of the LGBTQ community. And I'll be doing an episode on that too. Because I've said it once over Twitter, I'll say it a thousand times. When you fuck with my queer nation, you fuck with me. We're not alone, black people, in terms of who's getting shit on. I protect everybody. And if you think I'm lying, check my Twitter account. Check those that know me. I'm currently limping for a great many reasons. One of them is I saw a dog this time last year running in the middle of rush hour traffic. I ran after that dog. On the last step, total rupture of my Achilles. It was the right thing to do, so I did it. Back to the conversation. You fuck with my queer brothers and sisters, you fuck with me. You fuck with my Asian brothers and sisters, you fuck with me. We don't have to go down the black road. You already know how I feel about that, okay? Let, let's steer this into what's happening now. Let, let's, let, me, let me get a little focus 15 minutes in. This kid, and when I say kid, I mean serial killers, mutated neck beard sack of shit, that went into massage parlors, and I'm just finding out it was more than one gang. This was calculated. He killed women. And I said in one of my two-minute videos, I don't care if that was a rub and tug or a legit massage parlor. Every single last one of those women should have gone home that night. But they did it. Pardon me. Wow. There's my first belch during uh, the gin and truth. Let me wash that belch down with a little bit more Hendrix. Hold on. 
Let's go. Now, after slaughtering those lives, the captain of the police force gets up there and you already know what he said. That mutated beard boy serial murderer sack of shit was having a bad day. Gang, I I haven't shared much about my private life, but right now I'm in the middle of a two-month-long bad fucking day. And you know what I've managed not to do? Commit mass homicide. That's what. And here's the thing. Of the 8 to 10 billion-ish people on the planet, how many of us are having a bad fucking day? Bad month? Bad year? How many of us haven't picked up a weapon and killed Asian women? Let me tell you something. First and foremost, to the killer, I don't give two shits what that captain says. That was a racially motivated crime. And let me tell you why I think that is. Because I said this in one of my Twitter videos. The previous administration made hatred, unearned anger, and racism okay. The orange baboon ran on a campaign of hate. Now, if you don't agree with me, that means you're part of the fucking problem. Because I'm right. You know, I know I'm right. It's kind of like the argument on, well, what Robert, what's wrong with the uh, nickname Washington Redskins? This is how I know it's wrong. Because if you opened up an NFL franchise today, you wouldn't fucking call it the Washington Redskins. I know I'm right about Trump. Because if your 10-year-old called his teacher a horse face, you'd slap the shit out of him. And if you don't, you're a lousy parent. That that guy said the most fucked up shit. I don't care about the economy. I don't care about black unemployment. By the way, those are talking points. I don't care. Let's get a refill on the Hendrix. Hold on. My vocal cords are getting raw. Gin and truth. That, That guy ran on a campaign of hate. He kept calling it the China virus, Kung flu. And he wouldn't stop because every time that asshole said it, his audience cheered. And you'll know his reaction when he gets a sign of approval. He kind of backs off the mic. His hands are on the podium. He gets that smug look on his face as he kind of looks from side to side. Every time he insulted our Asian brothers and sisters, they jerked him off. I'm trying to remember the exact stat, but I think it was something ridiculous. And it was just in California. But violence towards our Asian brothers and sisters went up almost 2,000%. Now, this is not a post hoc ergo prompter hoc argument. This is what this fucking president did. And stupid assholes from like OAN and Fox and Newsmax kept saying shit like, well, what's wrong with calling it the China virus? It came from China. You can call Chinese food Chinese food. Why is that racist? 
And I said in my Twitter video, I'm going to say it now. Because fucking no one dies over beef and broccoli, Kung Pao chicken, or lemon chicken, or egg rolls. That's why. That's why. So let's go back to mutated beard boy. All right? No, I don't think it's a coincidence that he targeted Asian-run businesses. He went to two of them. Turns out they were Asian-run, Asian-owned. Then you've got the fucking police captain who sits up there and makes an excuse for a serial killer. He was having a bad day. You know what? One of the worst days of my life was losing my daughter and fucking kidney failure. Two forms of physical and emotional pain I never want to experience. And I cried. When my kidneys failed, I wanted to die. That's how much it hurt. But I never picked up a weapon. And by I, I mean every other person who's gone through the shit. We've never picked up a weapon and done some fucked up ass shit. So no, this wasn't a matter of a bad day. This was a kid who was motivated by a racist president. Trump was warned a million times. Stop saying China virus. Stop saying Kung flu. Stop saying the Wuhan whatever. Asian people were taking an ass whooping. And if I haven't said it, I'm going to say it now. Because like my dad and my grandfather, I'm an incredibly protective personality. If you fuck with my Asian brothers and sisters, you fuck with me. Don't ever let me catch you saying some fucked up shit to one of my Asian brothers and sisters. Go back into the hole you crawled out from And you need to go back where you belong. Gang, this was a racially motivated crime. The cop who defended him? Check the internet. This is the asshole who put his name behind those fucking uh, t-shirts. Right? Signed off with China, the way Trump used to pronounce it. Don't tell me that this kid wasn't motivated by Trump. Don't tell me that this was a bad day. This was a racially motivated crime. And if I'm not mistaken, one, it's hard to prove hate crime, but two, if you can, you get a harsher sentence. I could be wrong, look that shit up. Either fucking way, this was a race-motivated crime. We need to change the way we look at each other. I said it on Twitter. I'm going to say it now. My best friend in the entire universe. What was that? Tuesday, Trump was elected president. It was Wednesday morning when Simon said, Simon said, all right, let's take another shot of Hendricks. Hold on. Let's go. Simon said that Trump's damage would be generational. And as usual, Simon is right. Here we are, how many months after the election? And Trump's ripple effects are still touching us. 
There are eight women who will never see the next sunrise. The reason is Trump motivated someone who is filled with hate. And now eight families have to organize funerals. We got to do better. Now, I'm about to wrap this shit up. I've talked about the problem. This is my solution. Gang, we, we are so far past the point of acting like shit's not happening. This is what happened the last four years of the Trump presidency. Belchheim. There was a man in the White House who took shits on the floor. And for four years, we had people to tell us he didn't take a shit on the floor. We can't be nice about this. We just can't. We can't act like bad shit isn't happening all around us. Every time someone uses a racial slur, you got to call them out. We have to shame these people back into the dark corners of the world. They can't share space amongst us. Or if they do, they have to learn how to walk in step. When you hear someone say racial slur against blacks, Asians, Hispanic, anybody, and if you don't speak up, you're part of the fucking problem. A lot of the times, the right thing to do is the hardest thing to do. I remember saying this last year during the George Floyd and everything else. I said, when this is all said and done with, if you haven't lost a friend, you haven't done it right. I said this over Twitter on one of my videos. Racism always seems to be someone else's problem. Nobody knows a racist. No one's related to a racist. Bullshit, yes you are. Now's the time to call these people out. It's been past time. Or there's going to be more mass killings and we're going to keep talking about this. If you don't stick up for others, this is what we're going to continue to go with. So the question is, how much more are you willing to take? My answer is fucking none. None. I will speak for myself and I hope others follow suit. If you see something fucked up, you have to act. When you hear something fucked up, you got to slam dunk it. We don't have a choice anymore. I want this world to be better. And it's kind of like the assholes who sit here and say, well, if you don't like America, why don't you just move? No. I love America so much, I'm willing to fight to see it change for the better. And I hope you are too. Gang, We're almost at the 30-minute mark. I don't want to take up everybody's time. But this is the first ever episode of Gin and Truth. I love you guys, and I want to say for the millionth time, thank y'all for all your support. I'm going to do a couple of these a week because Lord knows I don't sleep. (laughs) I I hope y'all listen. I I really do. Y'all are the best. The big guy, he's signing off. Y'all have a good one.